Armageddon has stopped and heaven and hell cannot handle it. It is the finale, episode six of Good Omens here at AfterBuzz TV. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hey, AfterBuzzers! We are back to talk about Season 1, Episode 6 of Good Omens, the very last day of the rest of their lives. So much to get into. There are trials. There are switches of bodies and peoples. There are... No end to the universe, thank God, because Adam stops it. Okay, okay, okay. Let me calm down. Let me calm down. Cherry Davis. I'm here with my homegirl, Cherry Davis. I'm Nikki Bailey. Cherry, say hi. It's the end of the world as we know it. Hey, it's me, Cherry, and I cannot wait to talk about Good Omen's final episode. My heart is just overflowing. Oh my gosh, me too. Let's talk general impressions of the finale. I was shocked. I was blown away. It was so well done. I loved how each character stayed true to themselves, but still had growth from the very first episode to the sixth episode. It was very well done and well thought out. So good to synthesize this book into these six segments for these episodes. So amazing. I was shook. There were some things I think that happened in the show that didn't happen in the book that were awesome surprises for me. And I'm super happy with this episode, super happy with the show. Let's get down to the bee's knees. Somehow or another, the show starts with Crowley in hell on trial. Uh-huh. That that shocked me. I did not know that was how they were going to start the yeah, final episode. Yeah, me too. I was like, wait. I honestly thought at first, I was like, did I skip an episode? What's going me on? Me too. And that doesn't happen in the book. In my memory, I don't remember. <laughs> I do not remember Crowley and, and Aziraphale being, uh, like, going through a trial in the book. That may have happened and I missed it and I don't remember it, but I don't remember that happening. So this, to me, was like, I actually thought I was on the wrong show. I was like, is this... Is this good omens? Wait, that does look like David Tennant, but I don't... What's happening right now? So we start off with, you know, Haster and Beelzebub are basically putting Crowley on trial here, and he's kind of like, what the hell? And then we realize that this is a flash forward to the consequences of what has happened before, and now we are back at the last few minutes of Armageddon, the apocalypse is happening. We're back at the base, the Air Force base, and we're trying to figure out what to do. So Aziraphale makes the, the, the poor soldier disappear. Shadwell thought it was his hand, that because Shadwell believes he's got this hand of power. Of God. Bless his heart. <laughs> Bless, your Bless your basic heart. So... so you guys can't see it right now, but Cherry's wearing a shirt that says, bless your bless heart. heart. And I asked her before the show, is that like a sweet, kind, tender, oh, you're so sweet, bless your heart? Or is that one of those, you're a complete idiot, bless your heart? And she said, you're a complete idiot, and I want you to know that you're a complete idiot. Yeah. So, you know, bless his heart. Bless um, your heart. <laughs> 
So Anathema and Newt have gotten to the to the base. They see the four horsemen come out of the room that they were in, where they were like basically creating world wars and horrible things. Uh, and they see them come out, and they're like, and Anathema sees that they they have really weird auras, mm-hmm. and she says that their auras their auras are like um, like the the darkness of space or something like that. I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was like she knew that they were not human. And that they need to stay the heck away from them. Exactly. So they let them pass and then they went into <laughs> they went into the building. Newt and Anathema go into the building and see that like all hell is broken loose. There are people all over the world, like the nuclear things are happening and we can't stop it. Is this right? And they're both like, oh my God, what do we do? Everybody's on the phone saying I need tech support. This is not working. Right? <laughs> like, everybody's losing it. <laughs> and so the four horsemen come out to meet Adam, and Adam's like, uh, y'all gotta stop. And Death <laughs> is like, um, no, this is your job. Like, this is what you were created for. This is what we've been waiting our whole lives for. Armageddon has to happen. This is what we... And, and Adam's like, I didn't ask y'all to stop the world. Adam's like, I'm a child. And you're a bunch of grown-ups trying to hang out with a child. I'm going to have to call social services on mm-hmm. you. I don't know you. Yeah, definitely some boundary issues there. <laughs> definitely some inappropriate relationships <laughs> yes. between adults and children. No. When you've got the four grown-ass horsemen of the apocalypse trying to make friends with an 11-year-old. That ain't right. No. Then trying to tell them what to do? No. no. You're not my dad. Yeah. You're not no. my dad. Mm-mm. It's not. No. It's not going to happen. Adam has already said, I'm, "I'm. I'm. here to fix it. I'm not letting you destroy the world." And Crowley and Azzy and Madame Tracy and Shadwell come upon the scene of the four horsemen and the four children. And Azrael is like, um, "Okay, sh- kill the Antichrist." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Wait, wait!" But you didn't say the Antichrist was a kid, a, a wee baron, a wee baron, as as Shadwell said. Yeah, nah, I'm not killing a child. They're like, they can't yeah. kill a child. So, so then Azrael in the bottom of Madame Tracy takes the the thunder thunder gun and points it at the Antichrist and pulls the trigger. But at the very last second, Madame Tracy stops him from shooting the Antichrist because she's she's because at this point. Aziraphale is like, I'm going to shoot the Antichrist. Aziraphale, the angel, is going to kill this child. And Madame Tracy's like, we can't kill a kid. Azzy is like, first of all, he's a demon, so he ain't no child. Right. And Madame is like, yeah, I might be a prostitute, but I don't do that. I don't roll like that. So. Yeah, yeah. She was like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm no. not, I'm not about that life. No. Which you gotta respect. Yes. You know? She's always been nice. She's, She's always just, been super cool to Shadwell, because yeah. I'd be like, dude, don't call me a Jezebel and eat my food. So, right. No. So Shadwell is like, um, you know, he's very convinced that um, he's got this powerful hand, and he doesn't. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> But he's a little dumbstruck at the moment, not sure what to do. Uh, and so Adam's like, look, let's just squash all of this. Meanwhile, Newt and Anathema are in the base trying to figure out how to shut down Armageddon. And Anathema reads one last prophecy from Agnes. I love Agnes. I love Agnes, too. I wish there was an Agnes. Like, I wish I had some nice and accurate prophecies. Oh, my God. Yes. That would have been awesome. That would have been the bomb. I loved 
how their interactions are. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that she's pretty much the take charge of the relationship. Oh, absolutely. Or yeah. Like, yes, Anathema's yes, like, yes. Anathema's like, first of all, Agnes said we only had sex once. The one time. So we're not doing it again. And then Anathema's like, yeah, we could get shot going to the army base, to the Air Force base, but come on. It didn't say I was going to get shot. Right. <laughs> I know what said. Really I love how she was like, it was okay, but we don't have to do it again. Uh-huh. It was fine. <laughs> it was okay. It wasn't the worst. Right. Yeah. She's not about it. So... <laughs> <laughs> But the last prophecy that Anathema comes across from uh, from Agnes is he is not who he says he is. And so she's like, that's useless. And Newt's like, nah, man. Sorry. <laughs> Embarrassed to say. I'm not actually an engineer. In fact, whenever I touch a computer, it goes berserk. So Blue. Anathema is a genius. And she says, well, then try to fix this computer. Try to fix this and he goes to try to fix it, and everything goes black. And Newt thinks he's done something. Newt is funny and amusing. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, was that how it was in the book as well? Yes. It was, because Elania 168 says, I think it's great they did something different to even surprise book fans. The changes they made for the show still felt in character. Watching it as just someone who hadn't read the book in a long time, all the characters were very true to each other. And I loved how she and he both came to this conclusion after they sort of talked it out. Maybe I should try and harness my technophobe or yeah. computer anti-tech ability, <laughs> I don't know, to try and stop My it. opposite of computer genius. Because <laughs> I was like, uh, should he touch it? And I was like, you know what? He always just messes everything up. Yes, that perfect. makes perfect sense. Yes, and he touches it. Everything stops. Now, I do you think it stops because Newt touches it? Yes. Do I think you? that was his ability. Hmm. And that was what he... His special power. His, his witch hunter lineage. Right. Modernized for this world. Because, you know, I'm sure some people think technology is the devil anyway. Right. So, devil, witches... Oh, pretty much the same. Yeah. I actually like that interpretation. I actually did not think that Newt affected anything. I thought that at the same time that Newt was trying, Adam and the four horsemen are out front trying to fix, work it out. And I, I felt like, I felt like Newt was able to stop things because Adam was able to stop the four horsemen or Adam and his friends. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, but I do like your interpretation. Like maybe that is Newt's special ability, and and which he had thus far always thought of as a liability ends up being a great asset to stopping Armageddon. So I like that interpretation, Cherry. Nice. You know what is a real asset? What? Tell us. AfterBuzz TV <gasps> for TV fans. Yeah. We have everything from reality to sci-fi. What? Mm-hmm. Comedy. Drama, we do red carpets. If you love entertainment, we are the channel you need to be subscribing to on not only YouTube, but also Apple for our talk. And we want to say to all of you who are watching us, thank you so much. We love talking TV with all of you and you joining us in the live chat, as well as leaving comments. So please leave us a five star on YouTube, a thumbs up on Apple. Mm hmm. For our podcast. And of course, I just want to thank 
Maria and Kevin because of this opportunity. I love being on AfterBuzz TV. I've been here for about two years. I've done a bunch of different shows, some of which I wouldn't have even known about if I hadn't been watching AfterBuzz TV and learning about it because we cover everything. We do. And we love it. And we love all of you for watching us. So please subscribe. Please leave your comments. Please make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow us and subscribe to us on Apple for our podcast. And just let you know, we love you. We value you. And we love After Buzzing with you every day. We do. Hearts all around. Hearts. Bye, you guys. <laughs> Not bye. We're staying. We're still talking. We're still, yeah. We're still, <laughs> did we say bye? Did I say bye? Sorry. Yes. We I, just love you so much. We're just with you all the time. Look, I am on some whole other thing right now because I cannot wait to talk about how when confronted with the four horsemen of the apocalypse, Adam and his little friends were not backing down. Oh, no. They do not back down. They do not. I love Pepper because, you know, war, as fabulous as war was in the show and her red and all fabulous. of her fabulousness. War is like, you know what, Adam? You're not going to tell us that we're not going to have the apocalypse. We came here to do the apocalypse. That's our job. So listen to me, little boy. (laughs) We're creating Armageddon right now. And she's got a flaming sword. The flaming sword that we've been talking about for the last six episodes, right? Yes. She's got this flaming sword, and she gets all, like, in the kid's face, and Pepper is like, ah, and Pepper steps up, somehow gets the sword from from war, and takes her down. She is not about the patriarchy. You will not project your your little girl. She play with your dolls. No, Pepper's like, no, I'm not about that life. Okay. Then trying to tell her mom, she's like, my mom told me this. No, right. I love Pepper. I love Pepper too. She's like, don't tell me who I am or what I'm capable of. Yes. I care who you are. She's breaking that glass ceiling okay. of the apocalypse. Pepper is this generation's Elizabeth Warren, I believe. <laughs> like I feel like Pepper is for these 11-year-olds. She is she's like the next AOC. Like she is yes. not taking it. No. She's political. Yes. She's strong. She's opinionated. I love this little girl. You know her mom is so feminist. Oh my gosh. So hard feminist that she's like no, do not hold the door open for me. I will open the door open, hold the door open for you. I don't need a man, but I could have a man or I could have a woman. Gender fluidity. You know? I think Pepper's I her mom is, behind. yeah, I agree. And um, here's the thing about feminism. Yes. Just because I'm a feminist does not mean I want to pay for my own meals. Yeah, I kind of don't. I like to pretend <laughs> that I will offer to pay for my mail. Right, right. I, I will reach for pay. my wallet. Yes. But I, uh, I believe that feminism means that you should buy dinner for me. Whoever did the asking does a pay. If I ask, then I'll pay. Really? I don't yes. even believe that. I believe. <laughs> I believe because the amount of work, and this is just in, just for me in heterosexual relationships, the amount of work that we have to do to get prepared for a date. You should pay for dinner to offset the cost of what I had to put into preparing for this date. Whatever. We digress. Not important to the story. Well, <laughs> Serena, we're just talking crap. about. That. I love Pepper. pepper. She's a delight. (laughs) Servers, Serena Silvercrest in the chat. I asked everyone, what do they think about the kids and the horsemen of the apocalypse? 
horse woman, mm-hmm. feminism, horse people, horse people. Because one of them uh, also they used a gender neutral pronoun for yes. pollution, so we don't know. We don't know. We don't know how she identified. He, they identified. <laughs> She, Serena says, I love that. She will be the next prime minister. Yes, Pepper. Oh, I love that. And Elania, one set eight, says Pepper was on fire. Watch out for Pepper when she's grown. Yes, yeah, so they do a sequel. I want more Pepper. I agree. Pepper is Pepper. like, Theresa May may have stepped down, but Pepper is on the job, people. Pepper would step up because Theresa May was a terrible prime yeah, minister. Yes, it's true. I'm sorry. Pepper is all about that business. But then... Brian is not about to let Pepper get all the glory. Brian steps to pollution. Pollution. And takes pollution down. Boom. Boom. These modern kids, their parents must have really taught them just because someone's an adult and tells you something doesn't mean you have to listen. Right. You can question them. Yeah. Which is why they stepped up when the nosy body, Mr. Nosy Mayor, um, nosy Neighborhood watch, um, guy. neighborhood watch guy was yeah. always telling them what to do, and they'd be like, in their minds to their themselves, he's not our dad. We don't have to listen. We have to be polite because he'll tell on us. We don't have to listen, dad. But you're right. These are obviously kids who've been empowered yes. by the adults in their lives to to be their own people, and you gotta love that. Which is why I think Adam was able to resist totally. all the deviltry and even the angels telling him what to do. Totally, because he was like, "You're not the boss of me. I don't know any of you people." And my parents told me not to like hang out with adults that I don't know. Right. And I wonder, I like it makes me wonder, did Neil uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett like were they really thinking about like how these children were raised? I mean, because we're like it's so it stands out to us so much, right? That these are obviously kids with good heads on their shoulders, but they're still kids. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And I wonder, like, I wonder how much they thought about it. Because then Wesley, Wesley Dale, Wesley Dale. Yes. So takes cute. on famine. Huh? Famine. I do believe in good eating and being healthy. Well, I'm trying to be healthy with yeah. my eating. But he says, I believe in food and healthy meals. And he yes. takes down he takes down famine. And I love how each of them were taken down and how they disintegrated to like blobs. And to that one symbol that represented yes. them, right? So like the famine uh was reduced to I think a uh, the scales, balance yes. of scales. scales. And um, pollution's crown was yes, reduced crown. down. And then the sword, the sword for is war. left yeah. for war. And death is like, um, you can't get rid of me because I'm always here. And if you get rid of me, you end the world. You yes. end the universe. So, okay, fine. Damn kids, I'm leaving. Damn kids. So now we flash He showed back. off his... Um he had to show off his... He did. His, <laughs> his beautiful wings. wings. His wings that they say... Look like they are cut out of existence. Yes. The wings were sweet. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? I don't need no damn motorcycle. I got wings. Right. I'm good. I'm out. Peace. Peace. So we go now. So like Armageddon has basically stopped. And Aziraphale's like, whoa, we won. And Crowley's like, it is not over. It's not over. Because we flash back to, or we, we now, oh, actually, we actually see that both heaven and hell are getting prepared, right? So we see that hell gets a pep talk, that down in hell they're having a whole gathering to, like, get everybody ready. And they're like, yeah, sure, we lost the last time. But since then, we've had time to improve. And so we are ready. And they're, they're, they're thinking that, they, that they're going to be able to have this war and start this war. But Armageddon is effectively stopped. Crowley's like, look, 
we're not over. Something else is going to happen. They're going to come for us at this point. And um, and Crowley gives Anathema back her book. And as he tosses it to her, one last prophecy, a little tiny piece of paper, comes off that Aziraphale grabs and reads. And I could keeps and keeps kind of stealing. Yeah, I couldn't. He's not good with how he treats <laughs> other people's belongings, particularly their books. Yes, he feels all books belong yeah. to him. Aziraphale, do better. Do better. So <laughs> be a better angel. Be a better angel. But I couldn't read the thing when I first saw it, and I yes. actually rewound because I wanted to get a better look at it, and I couldn't see it. It was really hard to read. Like yeah. the. Um, cursive was very hard to read. And the it burning like around yeah. it. Like, it was hard to read. But it was really cool. But obviously it was going to be important, right? So, uh, so we then see that Gabriel and Beelzebub show up. Now, remember, Gabriel is the archangel Gabriel. And Beelzebub is like a duke in hell. Yes. Or duchess. The boss woman. Whatever. So they show up and they're like, Adam, <laughs> cute kid, you're delightful. Um, the world has to end. We we do have to have our war. Uh, because Somebody has to win. It's part of the great plan. Yes. The great plan. And this, to me, this next moment is a, a moment of like legal... Like verbiage thing, it's like a, it's like it's a genius moment. Aziraphale's like, so is the great plan the same as the ineffable plan? Mm. And everyone's stumped because and and as and and Crowley realizes that the angel and the demon that Beelzebub and Gabriel really don't know the answer. They don't know if the great plan is actually also the ineffable plan, and why that's important is that maybe the great plan is. That this doesn't happen. That that we were supposed to have this war, but maybe the ineffable plan trumps the great plan, and in the ineffable plan, the war is supposed to be thwarted. So they, since no one knows, because the ineffable plan is ineffable <laughs> and unknowable, they had to consider the possibility that what has happened with Adam stopping Armageddon may be what's supposed to happen according to the ineffable plan. Well, who knows? I did ask the chat who they thought would win between the angels and the devils. Mm -hmm. Who do you think would win? Well, we do find out later in the episode that the angels have thousands of angels and the demons have millions of demons. And so, so I don't know. I I want to believe that good will prevail, but I also am alive in 2019. (laughs) And I'm not quite certain at this point if good can prevail. So I would root for the angels, but I think it's a totally a 50-50 thing. I think the angels would win, but it would be a tough fight. Because I think God would eventually have to involve herself. Mm-hmm. And in the chat we had a couple of responses. Um, Alec Henning says, I think it would be a draw. Serena Silvercrest says, I don't think anyone wins. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Ivan Soto says, Crowley and Aziraphale won so epic. <laughs> He's team angel mm-hmm. and devil. Just those two. And then Ilian says in the first episode, Crowley seemed pretty sure that hell would win if the fight between hell and hell actually happened. Makes you wonder. So Crowley might know yeah, something. Yeah, maybe that's he knows something. Yeah, interesting. Mm. I mean, I think it kind of like we'll get into it at the end, but it makes you wonder if there's more to the story beyond this. 
I'm not dun, sure. Dun, dun, dun. So, so, you know, Gabriel's like, no, this this can't be true. We, you know, the war has to happen. And he says, Gabriel says, God doesn't play games with the universe. And Crowley's like, dude, where have you been? <laughs> like, are you kidding? Obviously, God plays games with the universe. Because God plays many games God with the God universe. God got jokes, you know? So, uh, Gabriel and Beelzebub realize that they don't know what to do. So, they have to go <laughs> appeal to the higher powers. They have to go back to heaven and hell and tell their bosses what's happened, and Beelzebub promises to tell Adam's father, Satan, about I'm what Adam's your daddy. done. I'm telling on you. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so, Crowley, though, is like, look, we're effed. We're, we're just totally screwed here. And, um, and as he says to Crowley, um, you need to find a way to fix this. And, and Crowley's like, I can't. And Azzy's like, if you don't find a way to fix this, I will never speak to you again. And Crowley then blinks them, uh, Aziraphale, Crowley, and Adam, to somewhere else. And they get blinked to some new place. And, um, and, and they explain to Adam, your dad, Satan, is coming. And he's probably really mad. And, uh, and, and Adam's like, well... <laughs> whatever like what am I supposed to do about that like every child whatever yeah and 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 Azrael says to him um you are not evil incarnate or good incarnate you are human incarnate and as such you can change reality and so they blink back to the air force base Satan shows up Satan, who... Who's my boyfriend in real life. Satan, who was voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm a ben- I'm a Cumberbatch, thank you. You're a Cumberbatch? Yes. He's he's delightful. Charming accent. I in love posh In so many accents. ways. Like, I mean, can you really... Like, would you just let, like, Benedict Cumberbatch read the telephone book to you? Oh, especially if he's wearing the Doctor Strange cape. Love him in that Right? Cape. He uh, could read mm. stereo instructions to me, and I would... I would find a that's hot. I need a Keanu and Benedict comedy. Who right is now. it? Who, who Keanu is it? and Benedict Ooh. comedy or drama? I don't care. I just need them in a movie together. Make it so Hollywood. Make it so. All right, we're gonna come. We're gonna talk about that after the show because I have ideas. But anyway, <laughs> so Satan shows up, voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch, because we love him. And and Adam says to Satan, "You not my daddy. You ain't raised me." You can't show up on the 11th year and talk about, hi, my son, and expect me to listen to you. You weren't there for me. You didn't raise me. My real father. Yes. My real father is my father. Yes. And because Adam changes reality, that becomes true. So Adam is no longer the son of Satan. He is the son of Mr. Young. Yes. It was a very, very nice. I wouldn't have minded having... The Youngs, as my parents, they seem really loving. They give the child parameters, but Mm -hmm. they allow him to have the freedom to make decisions and to make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And the dad didn't like Mr. Neighbor Watch either. I don't think anyone likes the Neighbor Watch guy. (laughs) But I love that as soon as Satan disappears, Mr. Young shows up in his car like, what's going on here? Where have you been all day, young man? Punishes him, doesn't know what he did, but he knows he did something. Exactly, which I think is so, like, 
quintessentially parental. I don't know what you did, but I know you're guilty of something, so I'm going to punish you even if I don't know. You know what you did. You know what you did. Right. I love that. My parents, my mom literally would do that to me. My dad would be like, eh. And I was like, I know she did something. I was like, but you didn't see her. I know she did something. I and then know. I get punished. And my dad would be like, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, tell her to stop. That is kind of hardcore, though, right? Very hardcore. <laughs> My mom is not an easy person. So let's actually, before we get into what Ooh, happened... Alien Wednesday says, I loved what the show said about parenthood with that scene. I do, too. That's excellent. Thanks for that. Yeah, we. that's why we talked about it. I like, love it's so... that scene and about what really makes a parent, whether you're an adopted child, whether you're the product of scientific assistance... What makes a parent a parent is who is there. Yeah, it's being there. And yeah. who's good there. You can be yeah. a parent and be a mother or father and be, like, not nice yeah. and abusive or distant. And you might be my biological parent, but you're not right. the parent. A lot of people, as they've gotten older, find a parent. Yeah. Like, my parent might be an auntie or a good neighbor. or yes. some, like. But the people who love you and took care of you and helped you become who you are... Yes. Those are your parents. Nurture. Yeah, not the people who just donated sperm and egg, but yes. the people who nurture you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. So, before we get into that, let's get into our special segment. We have our um, our special segment, which we do uh, angels, demons, and definitions. So, this week, our special segment uh, is about a book. Tell us. Yes. Now... If any of you notice, there's tons of Easter eggs in Good Omens, and you may not know what was the inspiration for the Good Omen book. Do you happen to know? I do not. Well, the Good Omen inspiration was Richmal Compton's Just William Stories for Children, which Gaiman wore, um, read as a child. And when he first came up with the 5,000 words of the book that eventually became Good Omens in 1987, that was the inspiration. And when you are watching um, the angel go into his bookstore, there's some red books um, on the shelf that were like, I guess, 10 books that were red. And he said, oh, those weren't there before. Those were literally the Good Omen books. And the um, it's like a little child, a little boy with black hair, and he's got a blue and white cap on, and he's a mischievous child. I think I think as a child, I read one of those books when I was a kid. Oh, really? Yes. My grandparents loved giving you classic literature, and for us, classic literature is usually British. <laughs> classic British classic literature. British I love literature. it. I love it. That's so cool. And I love, again, you know, all the Easter eggs, all the fan service that they did with the show, being able to... When he mentioned time, um, Crowley mentioned time, I was like, oh, Doctor Who. Yeah, right? The police bots. I was like, <coughs> I bow down to you. I bow down to you. Oh, are you okay? <coughs> Excuse me. I've been having this tickle in my throat. And, of course, it shows up while we're on the air. But that's okay. No. We're going to be fine because I'm all right. <laughs> because my demon and my angel friends are with me. <coughs> Excuse me. So, Crowley and Azriel, you know, they've thwarted Armageddon. Everybody's back to normal. Normal. And they meet in their usual place, which was James Park, I think, right? <clears throat> And they go for an ice cream. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. Tickle is really killing me today. 
they go for ice cream, and while they're there, <clears throat> they get kidnapped. <gasps> dun dun dun! <gasps> <coughs> oh my gosh! Excuse me. Drag back to hell. <coughs> And dragged to heaven. Yeah. So they get dragged back to heaven and hell, <clears throat> where this is now where we're, we're dealing with the trials that they go through. And <clears throat> we see that while they're facing this trial, <clears throat> um, Crowley is being, Crowley is being threatened with holy water, with being completely exterminated by holy water. <clears throat> and Azzy is facing a pillar of fire. But they know, we already know that that last prophecy was about they had to choose their faces wisely, which is what that last prophecy from Agnes was that Crowley found on that piece of paper. And what we find out is that Adam had rebooted reality. It's Sunday, right? The world is almost but not entirely back to order. The dead people were brought back. Broken things were restored. There are even some new books in an Azrael store. And Wow. And they get their ice cream. They get kidnapped. They're going through this trial. And Madam Tracy also, um, you know, we're kind of closing out all the stories. Madam Tracy, she invites Shadwell over for dinner. And he comes in the house. We see that, um, that a box is delivered to Newt and Anathema. And it's a book of prophecies from Agnes. Another book of prophecies. Because it's not over. It's not over. The box that was delivered is the the book of prophecies. Madam Tracy gets Shadwell to propose to her. (laughs) And the way he proposes is to ask her how many nipples she has. Just to make sure. Calls her Jezebel. But Gabriel is... No longer a Jezebel. No longer. She was a newly retired Jezebel. Gabriel in heaven is so pissed off, and he really wants Azrael to Aziraphale to pay. And he says, "I am fucking Gabriel. Okay, I am. I am the Gabriel. Shut your stupid mouth and die already." And Crowley's like, "I mean," and Aziraphale's like, "All right, cool." And he walks into this pillar of fire, and down in hell. Uh, Crowley's like, holy water? Who cares? I don't care. I'll get in it. Don't mess up my new jacket, though. He gets in the he gets in the holy water, just splashing around, having a great time. Splish splash! I was having a bad. And what I wrote was in my notes, I was like, wait, what are Crowley and Azra and Aziraphale now? Like, are they humans? Have they got? Because someone says they've gone native. What's happened? Now, this whole trial thing in my memory is not in the book. So, people in the chat who've read the book. Also, let me know if I'm right on this. I don't remember this in the book. So this is new, this whole trial thing, which I love, and I agree with whoever said it earlier, that it's very, very much in keeping with the themes of the show. Yes. So they, uh, what we come to find out is that Crowley and Aziraphale had switched identities. So in heaven, walking through fire was actually Crowley, and in hell, in the holy water, was actually Aziraphale. That was such a clever way. Because when I watched it, I was like, I don't understand how you're able to not melt and why you're not burning. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that was so clever. And I loved how they met again at the park the way they normally do as Mm -hmm. best friends forever. 
<coughs> and they were chatting about whether Adam was just normal human again. Yeah. And they do think that, yeah, he is a normal human <clears throat> yes. at this point. And things just go along as they've been going. Um, everybody kind of goes back to their lives. <clears throat> but the really big one, they say, is going to come later. So Crowley believes that that was not the great plan. The big battle was not really the big battle. Crowley believes the big battle will be us, heaven and hell, against humanity. <gasps> That would be a big war. But remember, angels started the war and got put down in hell because they resented and disliked the humans mm-hmm. and are being favorites. So it totally makes sense. It totally does make sense. And they never wrote a sequel to this book. So Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett never wrote a sequel. Terry Pratchett passed away. So there's no sequel. But there is an opening for more story yes. with this whole idea of... Of the the biggest war being between angels and demons and humans, and since Agnes's prophecies, her second book of prophecies have been been destroyed because Anathema and Newt are like, we don't want to live our lives, you know, <clears throat> according to Agnes. We want to have an actual life, so they burn her prophecies. I think there's a possibility for a show beyond this where we actually see how things unfold and how. Crowley and Azrael kind of live together into the future. What do you think? And Agnes knew prophecy, and I bet she knew she'd burn the first book right. in hopes of being free. So there's probably a second copy that she sent over because she's like, <clears throat> girl, you need to mature. Like, you have a few kids, so you have the next generation, but y'all gonna get on that path. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I think that's true. I think that that could be there. <laughs> so let's get. One more thing in in terms of our <clears throat> news and gossip. Tell us about After Buzz TV News. Cherry, tell us about the opening titles of the show. I love the opening titles. Now, if you're the type of person that normally skips through the opening titles, rewatch it because mm-hmm. they're different and each one sort of told a story of the episode. Now, if you look at it, you might think to yourself, this really reminds me of something. Well, you know what? They reminded you of classic Monty Python. Mm-hmm. It is done by London-based Peter Anderson Studio, which was inspired by Telly, Terry Gilliam's um, animated cutout vignettes for Monty Python's Flying Circus. But the twist is that with this, they use illustration, physical props, character animation, 3D, and even live-action footage to get the look. Because when you're looking at the opening credits, there's a depth to it that I couldn't quite figure out Mm -hmm. how they did it, because it didn't look like cartoons, and it didn't exactly look like the paper um, shadows. It looked like something totally different. So I was super excited about seeing Peter Anderson Studios' work, and I hope to see more projects from them. So um, I followed them on Twitter. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually had I actually had been skipping the the intro for most of the episodes, and then I think on episode four or five, I was distracted and I let it play, and I was like, oh, oh, that's whatever. Like I was like, and so that made me go back and rewatch them because I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So I think that's really awesome, and again shows the care and detail that was put into every element of the show, down to, down to. Finally, everything's over. Crowley and Azrael have... <clears throat> Aziraphale have... Azrael is actually the name of a different angel. Not the <laughs> one that we're talking about. So Aziraphale and Crowley have finally gotten through everything, and they decide to go for lunch at the Ritz. Fancy. Fancy. And... With an opening, suddenly... <laughs> 
Because of Angel Miracle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, they had a table available suddenly. Suddenly. And basically they just, you know, they start the rest of their lives together as friends. They're 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 on their own together and they talk Sweet. about that. I and they love say it. it's just you and I now. Till the end of the world. Till the end of the world. I love it. I thought that was really cute. Totally fit in with their character and their relationship, their friendship. Because as I said in the park, the angels and the devils are gonna leave them alone. For a little while, but right. they're probably trying to figure out how they can punish them for causing problems. Because the angels really weren't all that nice. They weren't any nicer than the devils. <coughs> they're just by the title, angel right. and devils. But both of them were a bunch of a-holes. Um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting the way Adam obviously still has powers. <clears throat> so, right. Straight so up we, still has powers. So Crowley and um, Aziraphale feel like maybe Adam's purely human. But Adam who's on punishment, is not allowed to leave the garden, he makes a bush wither so that dog can escape, and then obviously Adam has to go catch him, so it's not his fault. Obviously. Obviously. But everything goes on (laughs) happily for everyone else. They live happily until something else happens, I guess, right? Yes. And so, and the show ends with the angels dining at the, with the angel and demon dining, dining at the Ritz, which is actually lyrics from a song called A Nightingale Sang in Berkeley Square. It's such a lovely, it's an old song um, that was recorded by Vera Lynn in 1940. And the song is really, is really great. And it's in the book, too. The very last part of the book is, you know, they mentioned this, like, the fact that a song really did sing in Berkeley Square, but you couldn't hear it because of all the traffic. And so, what's so cool about that song is that it's really, um, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful song, but it's also this idea that, that these, these lovers, these, these two people who are, um, sharing, um, um, a meal together have a special connection. And, um, and the, the connection is so special that when you turned and smiled at me, this is the lyrics, that when you turned and smiled at me, a nightingale sang in Berkeley Square. And you have these two best friends, angel and demons, together, smiling at each other, and a, and a, and a bird sang, a, a nightingale sang. And I loved that. Loved and it. gave me hope for our whole ship shipping of Crowley and Azriel, Aziraphale. Although, I did look it up. <laughs> Neil Gaiman was asked, do they have a romantic or sexual relationship? And Neil Gaiman says, I'm pretty sure that we denied that there was a sexual relationship between them. But an alternate reading is that there are several romantic relationships in Good Omens that occur at the end of the book and the show, and that the song might not be about, you know, Crowley and Aziraphale. It could be about some of the other levels, lovers. Um, so you never know. Maybe, maybe... Maybe the Anathema and Newt and them falling in love and Madame Tracy and Shadwell getting together and getting married. Maybe they are the romantic manifestation of the love that Aziraphale and Crowley have for each other. What do you think? I think that they love each other like any true friends love each other. Mm -hmm. And if it turns into something else, because once again, they've been together for the eons, maybe it's one of those up and down relationships where sometimes you're dating, sometimes you're not. They've been together for so long and other people just don't live as long as they True. do. And the other angels and demons are jerks and so So it's no. just the two of them. So we don't know what may or may not develop between them, but we do know that they are BFFs for life. Forever. Forever. 
Amen. The end. (laughs) Guys, this was the last episode of Good Omens. We loved this show. We know that you loved it, too. Please leave us some comments. Let us know how you felt about the show. And let us know, do you see a way for there to be a season two? Yes. Do you see a way for there to be something beyond the book? I do. And I really hope, Neil Gaiman, that you make that happen. (laughs) I'm sure that Terry Pratchett would give his blessing from wherever in the afterlife he is, hopefully. In heaven. Heaven. Yes. Hopefully. I mean, all although, 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 all the, because all the creative people have been going to hell, so. Hmm. Mm. Anyway, guys, we had such a great time doing the show with you. Cherry, where can people find you? You can find me, Cherry underscore LA, on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me, Nikki Bailey, at Nikki Bailey underscore and at Nikki Bailey comedy dot com. Make sure that you're checking out all the shows here at AfterBuzz TV. We've had such a great time with you. Thanks for making us the ESPN of television talk. Bye, guys. Buzz you later. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.